Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham. And in a moment, we're going to get an update from Minnesota's Homeland Security Emergency Management and learn about a foundation working to enrich the lives of military families. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. When people think about the military, they often think about service members deployed overseas. What is unique about the National Guard is their additional roles. During Super Bowl 52, more than 450 soldiers and airmen supported security operations and law enforcement agencies. In 2017, more than 110 Minnesota soldiers and airmen were activated for hurricane relief efforts in Texas, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. In June of 2017, the Minnesota National Guard supported the Minnesota State Patrol on locating three missing paddlers in the Boundary Waters Canoe area. Also, in December of 2017, we opened our armories to several communities to shelter Minnesotans during extreme cold weather. With a force of more than 13,000 strong, we are proud to serve the great state of Minnesota and our nation. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Doug, we've got a great guest on the show. He's been with us uh, many times in the past. He's served in the in the Army and the Minnesota National Guard, and he's still serving today. Looking forward to this interview, and I think you are too. Yeah, absolutely. It's always uh, great to see our guest uh, in person. We served together for a few years, and uh, it's always wonderful to have, have him in the studio with us and get an opportunity to talk to him. So our guest is Joe Kelly, who was named as the director of Minnesota's Homeland Security Emergency Management in January 2015. He has the overall responsibility to ensure coordination of state agency preparedness and emergency response to all types of natural and other emergencies and disasters in Minnesota. A retired Brigadier General from the Minnesota Army National Guard, General Joe, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Always good to see you. Always good to be on your show. A little different this time, sir. I don't think we can talk about flooding. There's no snow melting yet. We're getting ready for it to come in. Well, we are getting ready for whatever does come next. It was interesting. I was on a call with uh, FEMA yesterday, and I said, you know, this is the first time since early May that we haven't had either a federal or state disaster declaration pending in the queue. And we've worked through a whole bunch of bad weather and storms, and right now, knock on wood, it's, it's quiet. But this is Minnesota, and winter will come, and then whatever comes next will come. And, sir, uh, for our listeners, uh, Minnesota's Department of Homeland Security Emergency Management is is part of the Department of Public Safety? Yes, we are. And and our primary stock and trade is to be the state emergency management agency. So when you look at who our partners at the federal level are, a lot of people hear Homeland Security and they start going down that path, which we do have some responsibilities. But primarily what we do is help Minnesota communities prepare for respond to and recover from emergencies and, and disasters. And we've talked often in the past how you work with the local communities. You're up at Camp Ripley. You're talking to the sheriffs. You're talking to Minnesota National Guard, the Corps of Engineers. You know all of those folks. And if there is a problem, you go over to the Emergency Management Center and figure out who can help and where and when and who's going to pay for it. Yep. And it's one of the one of the things I've loved most about this job is spending all that time in greater Minnesota with our, our counties, our cities, our tribal nations, townships, all that, helping them when uh, when they're having their really bad days. So it's uh, it's very satisfying work. And as we've seen this year, um, there are there are times it's busy and it's been a very busy year. Now, sir, uh, what's been in the in the news the last week or so is a hurricane down in Florida and it's had a devastating effect down there. How does that impact you here in Minnesota? And, and I understand, do you have a crew or some crews headed down that way? Well, 
Every time there's a hurricane somewhere, Tom, the first way it affects me is I'm glad we're not a hurricane state. You know, we have plenty of bad weather here in Minnesota, plenty of disasters, but never anything along the lines of the devastation that we're seeing from Hurricane Ian and Hurricane Fiona before that. Uh, so my certainly hearts and hearts and thoughts are, are out for those folks. We did send, we have sent some help down there. Uh, we sent what we call an all-hazards incident management team. That's a group of about eight uh, local, you know, city and county level folks that go down to Florida, help them get organized and coordinate the operations they're doing to go through the cleanup and and make repairs. So we're grateful uh, for the support of Governor Walls uh, and everyone else to get a team down there to help them because it's one of those instances where that's bigger than any any state can handle. They just don't have the capability. So. We have a we have a tradition in this country of helping each other um, across state lines when those things happen. And sir, quite often over the years that we've been doing this radio show, uh, I think we've talked about the fact that uh, you can access the Minnesota National Guard for helicopters and support and aircraft. And uh, I haven't heard that they're involved in in this emergency, the national emergency, but. You've uh, you've partnered with them uh, quite often over your years. We we certainly have uh, the National Guard, not only here in Minnesota but across the country, are some of the most important response assets, if you will. That that every state has. There were a number of requests for for mutual aid, interstate mutual aid from Florida. Um, most of that, though, and a lot of it was for helicopters for search and rescue, pulling people out of harm's way. A lot of those missions were filled by states surrounding them. So the travel, the travel time, a little closer to home, um, kind of a home court thing for, for some of those states, too. But I know General Mankey and his team are watching that that mutual aid ticker, if you will, anticipating if there's going to be any missions they might be asked for, because there's usually one or two a year that they go they go help with. But not for this one, thankfully. We're speaking with Joe Kelly, who is the director of Minnesota's Homeland Security Emergency Management on Minnesota Military Radio. And, Doug, uh, when you were the state command sergeant major over those five or so years, uh, there had to be a bunch of national emergencies where the where you worked closely with Homeland Security and and uh, and the governor approved uh, sending some of your uh, Minnesota Air and, Nation- Air and Army National Guard troops out into harm's way. Yeah, yeah, there sure were. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest things that I recall really are, were the flooding that uh, took place each year. And, of course, we would then, um, as was previously mentioned, through the mutual support, we'd send some of our aviators to go support to during wildfires um, out into the uh, to the west uh, part of the United States. So, yeah, we've seen quite a few of those, and it's great to have that uh, wonderful relationship to, uh, to make sure that our soldiers, our airmen, those supporting these emergencies are taken care of. And that, of course, our, our fellow countrymen and women are taken care of as well. Director Kelly, uh, has it been a busy year at, at your office in 2022? You know, there's I can never remember the title of it, but there's an there's an old, like, early 19th century English novel where the opening line is, it was a dark and stormy night. And <laughs> it has been a dark and stormy year. It seemed like every night from about the end of April um, up through the end of August, there was something going on somewhere. We had a total of three presidential disaster declarations. That's when the president authorizes FEMA assistance to help our communities recover. And in that same time frame, uh, there were 11 state-declared disasters where they're bad enough to hurt local communities and they need help, uh, but they don't merit federal assistance. So to have 14 major events that impacted 100 different jurisdictions, counties, tribal nations, um, 
is I don't want to say it's unprecedented, but it's it's unusual. It was it's been a really busy busy year. A lot of bad weather, a lot of damage. Sir, you painted a picture for me that dark and stormy night kind of ring the bell. Is is that one of the things where if you get that phone call comes in in the middle of the night, you're going, uh oh, what's going on now? Well, you know my my dad, who you met once upon a time, Tom, you know tried to counsel his young son saying, you know, you need to come home because nothing good happens after 10 o'clock. When you get a phone call in the middle of the night, it's usually because something's gone wrong someplace, there's a problem, and the state of Minnesota is trying to figure out how they can help that that local community. So, yeah, you usually wake up really fast in the middle of the night. Yeah, and I'm thinking artillery, and your dad would load the howitzer, have it on standby, and go to bed, see what's going to happen tonight. He was uh, he, he was always ready. <laughs> <laughs> and we had him on the show, so for our uh, listeners, go back and look for uh, Joe Kelly. And uh, it was a great show when you had the first sergeant on the show, and we could talk a little bit about military careers because that goes along goes back a long way in your family. It was great. Uh, a lot of times I either blame or give him full credit because given when I grew up in the 1970s with Vietnam going on and everything and just the cultural uh, challenges of those times. If I hadn't had the role model, soldier role model, non-commissioned officer role model that I had in my dad, I doubt if I'd have become a soldier. So like everything in my life, I owe it all to him and my mother. And sir, I remember the day he was here in this studio and the first sergeant was a proud dad. He was pretty proud of his, his son, the Brigadier General. Well, back back at you, dad. Awful proud of him. <laughs> Sir, uh, we've got to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Minnesota's Homeland Security Emergency Management with uh, Joe Kelly, who's the director over there and uh, works for uh, the commissioner of the Department of Public Safety. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham, and our very special guest is Joe Kelly, who's the director of Minnesota's Homeland Security Emergency Management, which is a department, part of the Department of Public Safety. And uh, Commissioner Harrington is your boss, correct, sir? He is. Commissioner Harrington uh, was uh, kind enough to uh, reappoint me to this position uh, four years ago. And prior to that, a lot of your listeners might remember Commissioner Mona Doman, who was the DPS commissioner before that. So I've had some really good, some really great leaders that I've served under at DPS. And, sir, you spent uh, many, many years in the uh, Army and the Minnesota National Guard, and then you came over to Homeland Security. And and when you usually come on in your spring show, we usually have uh, someone from the Minnesota National Guard here because the Minnesota National Guard is a huge resource that's available to you to help the local communities, the counties, whoever's having an issue. How important are they? That's a great question, Tom, and I I am having a very difficult time quantifying it, although I'll give you a number. I think the Minnesota National Guard is invaluable to Minnesota's communities and helping them when all manner of things go wrong or happen in Minnesota. If you just look back over the past two and a half, almost three years now, with the COVID response and all the thing our soldiers and airmen did to support that from delivering supplies, making armories available as testing sites to being nursing assistants in long-term care facilities. They were obviously involved in restoring uh, order on the the streets of Minneapolis during the civil unrest. Uh, And then uh, they're kind of back in their more traditional role this year. uh, uh, Sergeant Major mentioned um, about spring flooding. Well, they were involved in the historic flooding in the Rainy River Basin, International Falls, and they had between 100 and 150 soldiers up there for at least 30 days helping fill, and not fill sandbags, but fabricate sandbags 
so that local property owners could pick them up. So I think the quantified is in the last two and a half years, they performed around 200,000 duty days, which is bananas. It's been really busy. It's, it's incalculable the value that they have to Minnesota. We should all we should all be grateful that they'll drop what they're doing and come and help no matter what. And Doug, uh, on the other side of it, uh, the Minnesota National Guard calls up uh, soldiers and airmen to go on federal deployments, but they also call them up to state active duty. How important it is for for your troops when when you were the command sergeant major that they got a chance to get called up to state active duty and help their friends and neighbors and family. Yeah, I would just say that, uh, you know, through that decision-making process of picking a branch that people want to serve in, when uh, if the decision's already been made, it's going to be a reserve component. I believe that the, the National Guard always gets that special attention once that person hears of the opportunity to serve in their local community um, or, or the state in times of natural disaster or local emergencies. And so... Yeah, it's a great uh, feeling to know you are supporting uh, your local community as a service member, and it's not always going to be on the federal level. It's great to stay local and be able to provide that support. Great point. If you're thinking about joining the military, if you go into the Minnesota National Guard, be it Army or or Air, you will have the opportunities to help your family and your friends and neighbors, and that's a that's a good point, I think, for anyone thinking about that. Absolutely, and that's the only reserve component that does that, is the National Guard. that has that dual mission that uh, you've talked about so many times on this show. Reserve is just federal, and, and the, Minnesota, the Guard is uh, federal and state. That's important. Director Kelly, I want to come back to you. I know we've got some agreements with the Canadian provinces, kind of a reciprocal uh, agreement to help each other. We haven't talked about that much. No, we, we haven't. Earlier in our conversation today, we talked about sending um, folks down to Florida to help uh, with uh, the recovery from Hurricane Ian, and that's through an interstate mutual aid compact. But we also have a similar arrangement with the Canadian provinces, so a number of northern tier states, including Minnesota and the provinces of Saskatchewan, uh, Manitoba, Alberta, and Ontario have that same kind of arrangement where we're gonna we will come and help you, and you might need to come and help us because the the bad weather, the floods, the the technological disasters don't really pay attention to borders, and particularly international borders. So we've we've entered into this thing where we're gonna work these things out ahead of time so that uh, neighbors will help neighbors, whether they're it's a, across the street, across the county line, or across the uh, the Canadian-U.S. border. And, sir, we've even seen some of the Canadian troops come down to Camp Ripley and do some training. Yep. They're, they're great neighbors. We were just up in Saskatchewan uh, last week as they were hosting uh, one of these coordination meetings so that we we can we can provide support to each other without tripping over the border. And they're, they're great people. Um, they're great partners. And, uh, you know, you see it on the military side and you see it on the, the public safety side as well. We're speaking with Director Joe Kelly from Minnesota's Homeland Security Emergency Management on Minnesota Military Radio. Director Kelly, uh, COVID came and went, and I understand you spent 475 straight days in uh, HSEM's Emergency uh, Operations Center. That's a lot of days. It's a lot of days, and uh, it certainly is an all-time record, and no one can even remember what the old record was, but it wasn't anywhere near that. But that was a tremendous effort. Uh, I'm proud of the role that my folks have, but I also think, you know, we ought to look at other agencies like the Minnesota Department of Health uh, and all of our health care workers and others that really uh, that really muscled through there. I, I just, you know, I don't want to say I caution everybody, but 
we should remember COVID is is still out there, and and folks should be comfortable that 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 the state has what we call surge plans in case it uh, impacts impacts us again. But that was uh, that was a heck of a mission. And sure, about the time that started, I think the state legislator approved funds so that you could build a new emergency management center. And uh, is that underway? What's the update there? Well, we're we're working on it. I do I do think a lot of it was uh, they saw that when we had the demands of COVID and civil unrest on our current facility, I think they saw uh, legislators, the governor, other civic leaders saw that that facility just was inadequate. So we're very grateful to get about $30 million to build a new one. Uh, we're in the planning process. The planning process got slowed down a little bit because when we got the the first uh, cost estimates because of inflation, particularly in the construction materials and labor, we had to kind of go back and adjust, if 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 you will. So we're thinking uh, now, looking at December of 2024, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna be in the in the city of Blaine in Anoka County. So very excited about that. 475 days in the old one. You probably made some pretty good notes about what you want in the new one. We know exactly what we <laughs> we know exactly what we need. We can tell you where all the problems and shortcomings with the old one were. So this is a really good thing for Minnesota. It's a one of a kind, no fail facility, and Minnesotans deserve to have a first class facility, and we're gonna have that. Very good, sir. We got to. We have to change modes a little bit here, and uh, I know you don't want to do this, but I want to talk about Joe Kelly. Uh, you spent 31 years in the military, the Army, and the Minnesota National Guard. You retired as a brigadier general. Uh, before I knew it, you had a little project to do for Homeland Security that turned into being deputy director and then director. You've spent 11 years over there. 42 years of your life you've spent serving this country and this state. How do you think about that when you look back? Well, I think it's been a I think it's been a great ride, and and I don't know where I got it. Again, I'll go back to my dad. But there, when you talk about what what motivates us to do the work that we do, there's always been this sense of service. And I would tell you that of the of the Army values, my favorite one always was selfless service, and that's putting the needs of others ahead of your own. Uh, it's been a privilege to serve. I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed every minute of it. That, sir, uh, I understand. Uh... The retirement season is it might be here soon for you. How do you feel about that in the future? Um, I I do have plans. I do have plans to retire at the end of the year. I'll I'll be at the conclusion of my second four year appointment in this job. Um, I think, quite frankly, I I think that's enough. It's time for me to step aside and give somebody else a, a shot at that. Um, I don't know. It's it's always hard to walk away. It was hard when I took the uniform off. Because you have so much of your life invested in it, but I also know that you know there there's there comes a time uh, for all good things, and uh, kind of looking honestly looking forward to it. I I told you earlier that if the if the next eleven years go as fast as the past eleven years, Uh-oh. I'm going to want to make sure that uh, I've had a chance to enjoy enjoy retirement and spend some some quality time with my with my family. I bet you're really looking forward to when that phone call comes in after retirement that is from one of your grandkids to say hi, and it's not because it's an emergency. I, I, that's a really good way to describe it, Sergeant Major. I'll tell you, I'm really looking forward to getting rid of one of my phones, the official work phone, because it's hard to carry two phones around all the time. So not only to get rid of that you know, not having two phones in my pocket, but to sort of set those responsibilities aside and and turn it over to uh, turn it over to someone else. I I can tell you, I'm sure Minnesota is going to be in in great hands. 
Well, General Joe is a host of Minnesota Military Radio and a good friend of yours. I'd like to thank you for all the times you've appeared on Minnesota Military Radio. You've you've taught us a lot. You've taught our listeners a lot. And uh, if they've been paying attention, uh, they're feeling a lot better about how safe they are here in Minnesota with you and your team at HSCM over there to keep track of things and protect us. And I'd just like to thank you for joining us as many times as you have and wish you well in retirement. Well, thank you, Tom, and I appreciate the opportunity to to use this microphone to to talk to your listeners about things that are important to to all Minnesotans because we know, you know, emergencies, disasters happen, and the more they know, the better they can take care of themselves and their loved ones. So thanks for that. And we'll leave them with that last thing. If you see something, say something. See something, say something. It's It's all up to us as individuals and Minnesotans. Thank you, sir. That was Director Joe Kelly from Minnesota's Homeland Security Emergency Management on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to learn about a foundation working to enrich the lives of military families. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. Doug Wortham is in the in the studio today as my co-host. And in a moment, we're going to learn about a foundation working to enrich the lives of military families. But first, it's time for the Commissioner Corner. A weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now here's Commissioner Larry Herkey. The Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs offers disaster relief assistance when a natural disaster strikes. Disaster relief assistance provides up to $1,000 in reimbursement to veterans and dependents that live in an area affected by natural disaster, such as tornado or flooding. This assistance is available when a declared state of emergency by the governor of Minnesota. Veterans and dependents must provide receipts, verifying proof of approved expenditures listed per the type of disaster. Please contact your county veteran service officer for more information or assistance in applying for disaster relief benefits. Find your CVSO by calling 1-888-LINK-VET, MDVA's one-stop customer service line for Minnesota veterans and their families. Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Uh, Doug, as I teased at the opening, we're going to talk about a foundation that's uh, mission is to enrich the lives of military families. I think it's called Think Great Foundation, and you are the expert on this topic. Well, I don't know that I'm the expert on it, but I do have the uh, the pleasure to bring in our next guest. Uh, not only a good friend of mine, but he's also a coach. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's a trainer. Um, professional development is right in his wheelhouse. And more importantly, the reason why we're here today is talk about the Think Great Foundation. So I'd like to introduce the president of the Think Great Foundation, Eric Thurwanger. Thanks for having me on, Doug. Hey, it's great to have you on uh, Minnesota Military Radio. And, and we want to get into uh, the conversation about the Think Great Foundation, talk about what it is, what it does. But I'd like to get a little bit of background about you real quick, because, you know, we make jokes in here about what service, what branch of the military you're in. And I've got an Air Force person here. Um, I was in the Army and then uh, you're in the Marine Corps. So tell us a little bit about your service. Sure. So I enlisted in February of 1987. I went into the delayed entry program. And six months later, went in the Marine Corps right after seeing Full Metal Jacket in the theater. <laughs> so, <laughs> what a great timing that was. Yeah. That was great motivation to send you there, I suppose. Yeah, I did come out of there thinking my recruiter might have left a few steps out. But I went in open contract, and uh, two days before I graduated, I found out I would be an air traffic controller. And so I spent the majority of my time in Yuma, Arizona. And uh, actually, when I 
discharged from the Marine Corps. It was uh, in El Toro, California, in 1991, right after the first Gulf War. Air traffic controller. I thought you said you went to the Marines. Sounds like the Air Force. <laughs> so was, as they'll say in the, as in the Marines, I was swinging with the wing. There you go, yeah. <laughs> so you get to California, and I know that you had a, a stint of time where you worked in the movie business, yeah. but eventually you branched out and you started doing some professional development. And and through that process, you actually got linked up with and started working with some of the family readiness groups. That's correct. I was in the media world for a long time in California. And I I ran a post-production company and then eventually formed my own company, Think Great. And I just started teaching on goal setting. And that was our first concept. We just wanted people to set goals. And through some connections, I got connected with the Family Readiness Program through the Yellow Ribbon Reintegration Programs through the Air National Guard up and down the coast of California. And they started inviting me into the uh, YRRP post-deployment and pre-deployment sessions that they were doing for the service members and their families. And so I started to meet with a lot of the spouses. And once you started talking about goals, then they started to share that they would love to get their education goals back on track. And at the time, I didn't really think I was in a position to do anything about it. I said, oh, that'd be great. You know, just kind of motivate them, and that'd be a great goal to set. And then I got connected with the Marine recruiters. And the Marine recruiters, the first one I went to, I got flown out to Des Moines, Iowa, for a family readiness event and spoke to a lot of the spouses there. And then the word started getting out, and I started going to different recruiting stations, speaking at these family readiness programs, and again, meeting the spouses and learning a lot about their sacrifices and and all the goals in their lives and the the challenge they faced that they had to put those goals on hold. And and so I started to develop this affinity that maybe someday we could help out military spouses. I just didn't know how yet. And this was close to 10 years ago. Yeah. So, so you're going out, you're teaching the goal setting, you're making these connections with uh, spouses because you're at a lot of these military events. And eventually the light bulb goes off in your head and you're like, okay, I've got this idea. And that was the Think Great Foundation. And so what what happened next? How, how does it start to come into being? And then how did you actually determine what it is exactly you wanted to do and how you want to focus in on the spouses? Yeah, this is an interesting story because I was ready to do a family readiness program out here in Minnesota for the 9th Marine Corps District. So the recruiting station here for the Marines is part of the 9th. And at this event, there were many of the commanders from the 9th, including a lieutenant colonel who was the XO at the time for the 9th. And he came into town, and my wife, Jean, and I ended up going out to dinner with him. And at that point, I believe it was his family readiness officer, as they were called back then. And while at dinner, I said, you know, Colonel, we, uh, we want to do a foundation. We've always wanted to do something to give back. We know it's about the spouses. We're just struggling to find out what that one element is that the spouses would need the most. And without missing a beat, he said, scholarships. He said, get their their goal of education back on track. And there's, I mean, there's focus, obviously, to support families, resources uh, in yes. the time of need. But you're seeing this whole, if you will, that, uh, hey, we need to help provide some educational scholarships. So hence the Think Great Foundation is yes. then formed. Yeah, it was interesting. That night we said, there it is. That's That's what our focal point will be. And we happen to be eating at Red Rabbit Restaurant in the North Loop. And we do coaching for Red Rabbit, Red Cow. So we know the owner very well, Luke Shimp. And the next day I was back in there talking to him. I said, here's what we're going to do. Scholarships for military spouses. And they said, we're in. We want to help. And so they did a, a burger of the month back then called the American Burger. 
and donated, I think in that month, over $2,000 to our foundation right out of the gates. And as you know from goal setting, once you say it out loud, you have to do it. It increases the likelihood of you uh, accomplishing it. So I started to say it to enough people, and then we started to just get more and more people interested in it. So we've got about uh, maybe three minutes left in this segment. So I want to hear from you then. Tell me exactly what is the Think Great Foundation, and then what is the true mission of the Think Great Foundation? Sure. So the Think Great Foundation, I I always say that we are a one-trick pony, but really good at our pony. We award scholarships to military and veteran spouses uh, as long as the time of service of the service member and the marriage coincided. And so it doesn't mean that the service member still has to be serving. They could be a veteran. And so our mission is really, as Tom said earlier, to enrich the lives of military families by focusing on the educational goals of the military or veteran spouse. And in through that process, obviously, you've developed um, a board because you are a nonprofit or not-for-profit uh, company yes. and uh, or organization. And uh, eligibility. So you mentioned the fact that they have to be a spouse of a current or previous serving member. Is there any other eligibility requirements that someone might have to meet? So there's no financial requirements or at least income requirements. The only real requirement is just at that time of service and the time of marriage coincided. We can award scholarships to uh, any branch and all over the country. So we, we really opened it up to everybody. And so the foundation um, was an idea, like you said, about 10 years ago, and it came into being, uh, what, in about 2019 is when you filed the uh, not-for-profit standing. Yep, that's when we became an official 501c3. And it was in 2019 when you held the first Think Great Foundation luncheon, of which I was a part of. Yes. And uh, we had uh, General, now retired, uh, Sandy Best there to uh, provide uh, some remarks. Yeah, we started off with a luncheon, and we didn't know where we were going with this, and we ended up having over 150 people in attendance, and we awarded out 25000 in scholarships that year. And it was a, it was a great event. It was a lunch uh, event. And then, of course, uh, planning for 2020 started uh, going into uh, place. And then, uh, you know, the thing we don't like to talk about around here all the time is uh, the, the COVID pandemic. So that um, halted the events for uh, 2020. But we're back on track for uh, 2022. And we want to talk about that uh, when we come back from the break. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about other eligibility. Um, for example, we want to make sure people know it doesn't matter what branch you served in. Right. Uh, even the Marine Corps. Even the Marine Corps yes. can be, uh, spouses can be eligible for it. <laughs> so when we come back from this break, we'll talk more with uh, Eric Thurwanger from the Think Great Foundation. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. This is Doug Wortham along with Tom Lines here in the studio. And we've been speaking with Eric Thurwanger. Eric is the president of the Think Great Foundation. Eric, before we went to uh, break, we're talking a little bit about eligibility. And uh, I just made the point that uh, it's for all branches of the military. But what about um, the localization of the scholarships? Is this housed just for people that are serving currently in the state of Minnesota? Or what's the uh, spread of the Think Great Foundation? Yeah, we're actually national at this point. When we started off, we were just looking for people locally here, and they started to spread the word. So we expanded. And anybody in any state can apply. And we've actually awarded scholarships out now in over 20 states, including D.C., and uh, to the tune of about 75 scholarships so far, totaling about $85,000. And uh, if I remember right through conversations I've had with you previously, uh, there's actually been awards to spouses who are overseas with their their spouse uh, serving 
um, on, on active duty. And so it's not just inside of the United States. We've got uh, international now We are as international, well. yes. <laughs> we, have, we are a Think Great Foundation global yeah. at this point, yes. Well, that's good. And, it, and, and it's great to be able to key in on, on this opportunity, right? I mean, there are so many different um, foundations and entities out there that want to provide uh, support to those families, um, to, to the kids. Um, you're very focused. You said that's the one-trick pony. Um, scholarships for... Um, spouses of current serving military members or those who have served as long as the marriage and the time of service overlapped. Yes, correct. All right. So I imagine that, and and I know this because you and I have talked about this previously, um, it's not like the money just falls out of the tree. Um, You know, as a not-for-profit, of course, um, you know, you do fundraising throughout the year. Um, We talked about the luncheon event that you did, which was one of the fundraisers back in 2019. Um, We've got fundraisers um, coming up uh, again, and and I want to talk about that because it's a big event out at Brackett's Crossing uh, on November 18th. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. The the Homefront Heroes Lunch in 2019 was such a huge success uh, that people were asking us when the next one is. And as you know, we have an amazing board um, that understood that 2020 and 2021, we had to put the brakes on any events. Uh, But in February of this year, we regrouped as a board and everyone decided, yes, let's do another one. We decided to do an evening gala and uh, that we started to ask for table sponsors. And uh, I believe we have two table sponsorships open, but we have U.S. Bank is a table sponsor, Red Cow and Red Rabbit Restaurants, and just so many amazing organizations that came out of the woodwork to say, we want to be a part of this this year. And the um, the award of the scholarships at this event, obviously it's taking place right now because the school year started, yeah. but when all is said and done this year, the Think Great Foundation would have awarded um, over $50,000 this academic year, yes. which, of course, this gala now is kicking off for fundraising for next uh, year where the goal is pretty aggressive, isn't it? Oh, it it is. And uh, again, our board, and I know you know some people on that board, Doug, um, our board is shooting for $100,000 for this next upcoming school year, and our application process is already open on our website. Yeah, for the 2023 um, school year. Yeah, very exciting stuff. And, okay, so fundraising, right? One of the things we like to talk about is how can we help you um, as our listening audience across the 65 radio stations, every corner of Minnesota? I mean, somebody wants to support the Think Great Foundation because this is a great mission to enrich the lives of these military spouses. How can they support the Think Great Foundation? So we have an ability for people to donate right at our website at thinkgreatfoundation.org. So there's a donation tab up there, and they can donate. They can also buy T-shirts for the Think Great Foundation, and uh, all the proceeds from that go directly to scholarships. Uh, For the event coming up, we are actually still looking for some sponsors, some donors, and silent auction items. And people can actually attend the event if they'd like. Oh, yeah, they can. And the tickets are $100. And, uh, again, all that money goes right back and, and, and out in the form of scholarships. So I think at this point here, we probably have about 50 seats left. Okay. So 50 seats. Um, it's on November 18th um, in Lakeville at yes. Brackett's Crossing. Yep. Um, it's a, a gala, so it's an evening event. Uh, dress up, come. Yeah. The silent auction's going on. There'll be some other fun events. And um, you've got a big name uh, MC for that event, too, don't you? We do. We do. We have Adam Carter, who is uh, from WCCO. And so very excited to have him MCing the event. Um, he is super fired up to be there. And uh, and we've got just amazing people that are going to be there that night to to show their support for the mill spouse community. And a friend and guest of this show, General Four Star Retired uh, Votel, 
is going to be the keynote for that evening, too. Yes, he will be speaking and uh, sharing some of his thoughts, and we're very excited to have the general there. Yeah, so once again, Eric, tell us that website. Uh, ThinkGreatFoundation.org. All right. Well, everybody, please go and support this uh, foundation, the great event, uh, on a drive to award over $100,000 in scholarships uh, for the next academic year. Eric, thanks for joining Minnesota Military Radio today. Doug, Tom, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Joining me now from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard is Doug Bly. Doug, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, Tom, for having us. It's always my honor to be here with you. Doug, I have a co-host in the studio today, and I think you're going to recognize him. Mr. Bly, Doug Wortham here. How are you? I'm doing well, Doug. How are you doing? Good to hear your voice as well. Yeah, hey, uh, great great to hear you. And I know we only have a short amount of time here, but so I just want to get right to it. And, you know, I've known you for a number of years in the, in the valued mission of the Patriot Guard. But uh, I understand that, you know, a lot of the mission focus really does come around this Twin Cities area. And maybe we're missing uh, part of our audience in outstate. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, you know, that's, Kind of, it's been going forward now for a number of years like that, and I think it's important for all of your listeners across Minnesota to know that the Minnesota Patriot Guard, which, which regardless of where you live in Minnesota, um, it would be our honor to attend a funeral for uh, for a veteran um, with honorable discharge. And I, I don't think we get a lot of requests. Um, I think people don't want to bother us, and I think it's a, you know that they're being intrusive on us. And particularly as it gets to wintertime, they're a little concerned about the weather. And you know, is anybody going to show up and I think it's important for everyone to know that a veteran who served honorably is important to us. It doesn't matter where they live and who they are and what their economic status is. You know, we stand there for them. And I think it's very important for uh, your listeners to know that that across the state we're willing to, to attend their funeral and consider it an honor to be part of the mission. Doug, as you know, we're on radio stations uh, at 65 different frequencies all over the state. But I think uh, you told me at what, one time that uh, the Minnesota Patriot Guard kind of divides up the state into several sections. So when writers want to sign up, they can be within their geographic territory. And, and when the, those folks need a mission, you've got people in their territory that can come take care of it. Yeah, we've got 20 different sectors across Minnesota, Tom. And we have a ride captain in each sector, or in most sectors. Some of them we don't, uh, to be honest. Um, but we have someone across the state that can stand there. And again, we fall for fallen heroes. We fall. We stand for veterans. Um, we will stand for active duty line of death for firefighters or law enforcement. And you know, we really urge everyone to consider inviting the Minnesota Patriot Guard to attend whatever part of the mission or whatever type of the service they would feel comfortable with. And how do they do that, Doug? Uh, real simple, Tom. They go to PatriotGuard.org, and on the left-hand side, you'll see it says Request the Minnesota PGR. And within there, there goes through, kind of here's the scope of what we're looking for, here's the information we want, and there's a click on the bottom that either creates a web form or creates an email for you that goes to the missions team at the Minnesota Patriot Guard. And someone there will look at it, they'll communicate with you, they'll evaluate it, and then they'll sign it to the right section of the state where it belongs. And Doug... The family member, whomever, has to make that formal request. You're not just showing up, are you? Very important question. Thank you, Doug. Um, it has to come directly from a family member. We often get emails from someone saying, hey, I'm representing the family of so-and-so, and they'd like to have you there, and we, we're, we're, we're sorry we can't take that re- request, but directly from the family or the funeral home director we'll work with. And, Doug, uh, we're getting to the end of fall, and you're going to have to put your motorcycles away, but uh, you guys uh, show up in the wintertime in, in your box, in your vehicles, too, don't you? We come in our cages, Tom. Cages. Um, 
exactly, I got the right words. But no, we attend 12 months out of the year. The weather doesn't matter. The time of the day doesn't matter. Um, if someone makes a request of us, we're going to be there to serve that, that hero. Very good, Doug. I want to thank you for joining us again today and uh, wish you and your riders well all winter. And everyone be safe on your motorcycles. Leaves are slippery. Thank you. That was Doug Bly from the Flagline of the Minnesota Patriot Guard and Minnesota Military Radio. We have one mention today. The Minnesota Department of Revenue reminds the state's military service members to claim a refund of military tax credit before it expires. It's over 2,800 service members that were eligible for the 2018 credit for military service in a combat zone, but only half of those service members have claimed it. The uh, deadline to claim that uh, will expire on October 15, 2022. The credit is $120 per month or partial month served, and Kuwait is considered a combat zone for this credit. So what you need to do is uh, go online and find the 28 form M99 from the state of Minnesota. Once again, the deadline is that is October 15th, so get to it right away if you're eligible. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Director Joe Kelly from the Minnesota Department of Homeland Security and Emergency Management, Eric Thurwanger from Think Great Foundation, my co-host Doug Wortham, and of course Doug Bly from the Minnesota Patriot Guard. Commissioner Larry Herkey, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week as we hear from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System and meet a Yellow Ribbon Company. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.